welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. The one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. Thank you, Paul, for kicking us off, and welcome everybody to Demand Gen Radio. Today I am joined by Kate Federer. She is the Marketing Operations Manager at CenturyLink. And CenturyLink, as you probably know, is a global communications and hosting, cloud, and IT services company with millions of customers. And they focus on helping these folks transform their businesses and lives through innovative technology. They are huge. They're an S&P 500 company, and they're on the Fortune 500 list of America's largest corporations. So they are doing both B2B and B2C marketing. Uh, for those of you who don't know Kate, you only need to spend about a minute or two with her talking about marketing and marketing ops to know how passionate she is for driving leads and, you know, driving revenue from within marketing. She's been at uh, CenturyLink, what now, Kate, for uh, six years, I think, over six years, and really led a, a massive marketing automation migration there that, in fact, you won a Marketo Revy Award for the uh, 2016 Marketo summit in Las Vegas. So now you're responsible, what, for two instances of Marketo around the globe? And uh, on a personal note, Kate, you live in Denver uh, with your husband. And I'm sure when you are not at work and spending time with marketing, you are at home with your, what, 18-month-old daughter. So, Kate, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Thanks for having me. Well, today, as you know, we said, uh, what do we want to talk about? Because there's been a lot going on over there. And you said, you know what, let's focus on sales alignment and sales uh, enablement, which you have a lot of experience uh, with. You guys, how many, how many sales reps are you supporting over there? Let's, let's put a number to that because it's a, it's a massive number. It is. On the business side, um, so we have both consumer and business kind of operations. On the business side, we support about 1,400 sellers um, with our marketing automation and marketing operations team. That's huge. That's that's a lot of folks, and I want to I want to put that in perspective because obviously people listening in range from every company size, from a handful of sales reps to, in your case, um, you know, hundreds, well over a thousand. So let's start off with because um, you have such a passion for it. Why is sales alignment in in your experience, your perspective, so important? It's important because you got have to drive revenue, and that's what we're all here for. I think when we started out on this kind of journey, as as I like to call it, four years ago, our sales teams didn't know what we were doing, didn't think it mattered, and didn't think it was really important. And we really worked hard to educate our sellers. And when I say hard to educate, I'm talking I would do screen shares with how to log into Salesforce and view a dashboard and worked hard and worked kind of really closely with them to, you know, understand the benefit of leads, understand the benefit of what we're doing, where now I get kind of completely the opposite calls and sales is calling me saying, how do I get more of those leads? How can you guys give us more? Because they now understand the value and they understand what we're giving them. I've often said uh, something I wrote about in my book a couple of years ago. I said, I view sales and marketing as one team, almost like a football team, which has offense and defense, and they're very different personas and personalities, but it's it's one team and you've got to work together. Have you found that you can be successful in marketing without alignment? Not in the B2B space at all, um, because from a marketing team's perspective, my team can't close a deal. Um, I, I have four people on my team that are great, but they don't pick up the phone, they don't sell you anything, they don't close a deal. So without that sales and marketing alignment, 
our programs fail, everything that we does fails, and our sales team aren't, isn't nearly as successful because they're not taking all that, you know, ready to close deals, all of that revenue that we're driving to them and, and leaving that on the floor. So without the two aligned really on a B2B space, at least our space, we, we can't be successful at all. And I, I've, I've had great success in my career, not always, but I've had great success in my career at a lot of companies over the last couple of decades um, aligning very closely with the head of sales. And although, mm-hmm. like all of us, we've, we've heard that all of our leads suck at some point or another in our career. Um, in fact, the name of my company, DemandGen, uh, came about because on Fridays we used to have a sales and marketing meeting. And I thought, you know, why, why do we call it sales and marketing? Why don't we just call it the demand gen meeting and bring the, the teams together. So we put a, a lot of effort um, at my last company, you know, working very hard culturally um, to get the teams together. But I, I guess I'll ask you a question that's always kind of puzzled me is, why do you think it is challenging for most companies to have alignment between between sales and marketing? I think in our company, and, and I can only speak for us, but I think the main challenge when we didn't have alignment, so four years ago, was Everything is noise. Everything is being thrown at our sellers. Our sellers have 600 different priorities. And really, at the end of the day, the priority that means most to them is, how do I make money? And marketing barking in their ear really wasn't important to them. So it was us really taking the time to sit down. And I would have seven meetings a week, a month, with every individual sales team to sit down and say, this is what leads have done for you. This is the revenue that we've brought in. And then once you can show them revenue and once you can show them you're, sh- you're closing their quota, you're you know lining their pockets and you're doing what they need for you to do in order to make them successful, all of a sudden kind of that light bulb went off. And that light bulb said, wow, this is really successful. This is helping me do my job better. And we were able to take that all the way up to our VP of sales and have that conversation, and then he could drive that to any of those underperforming teams or the teams that didn't, frankly, want to sit down and have the conversation with us and say, no, no, you have to, and this is why. This is the the success they've had, the revenue they're driving, the percentage of quota that they're closing on their own, and that's why you have to do it. What advice would you give to someone, whether they're new to a company or probably a little bit easier if they're new, but if, they've, if they're new to a company, if they've been for a while, what advice would you give on, you know, tactics? You're a great relationship builder, but, you know, how do you, and you're in a huge corporation, which is definitely unique um, for most marketers out there, right? You're at that tip of the, the large enterprise. So what advice do you have for folks to try to build that synergy and that, that alignment where it doesn't exist? Yeah, for us, it was two things. It was patience and it was performance. So the patience one was really, really key to us, and we would sit here and have meetings and have one-on-ones with our sales team to show them things in Salesforce and, and to be a resource for them, not necessarily for what we were designed to do and not really what's in my job description, um, not what's on my bonus plan. Becoming that resource makes you trusted to sales and makes you that person that sales says, oh, I don't know the answer to that. I'll pick up the phone and call Kate. She may or may not know the answer to that, but she's pretty smart, and she probably can can tell me what to do. And once you've developed that trusted relationship with sales, 
then showing them the performance and showing them the numbers and showing them what marketing is doing for them, all of a sudden the light bulb goes off because, you know what, they trust me because I'm able to help them on other things. They trust me because I was able to solve a problem or have a conversation with them really not related to what I do but helpful for them. So that patience really paid off, and then they're coming back to me as the marketer saying, hey, you sent me 10 leads. I closed five of those leads. How do I get 10 more? How can you help me more with what I'm doing? Well, it sounds like the approach that you take is really being a partner to theirs. And, you know, several times I've heard you talking about the training and the and the deep dive that you do into their systems. Mm-hmm. And so you not only understand their role and you understand what you're serving up to them, but you understand where that's happening and you spend a lot of time training them and having them understand how the CRM um, operates from a from a lead uh, recipient perspective and, and how they can use the tools. Um, because let's face it, I mean, we all know that, that CRM adoption is not always what we hope it is uh, from company to company. So the more that you can find those performing sales reps and, and help them discover and see the value that's in there, which, which I want to get into next, um, which is, you know, sales enablement. Um, which, again, mm-hmm. is another area that you focused on. Before we get into that, because I want to get a little prescriptive, you've done a lot of work with the Marketo Sales Insight tool, so let's talk about that. that. But, um, you know, from your perspective, what's the difference between sales alignment and sales enablement? Because I, I definitely think of them as two different things. I'm curious to get your perspective. Yeah, I think sales alignment is making sure us and our sales team are constantly working towards the same goal. Um, here at CenturyLink, it's how are we generating leads to get the sales team to sell things and how are we kind of in lockstep with them on how does the process work, what is the procedure, what are we doing, where is the handoff. That's kind of our sales alignment. Sales enablement is how are we helping our sales team sell, whether that's throwing a, you know, event at a Broncos game or sending out, you know, personalized emails from our sales team. How are we helping them close the deal? And that's kind of really where the two differ for me. Got it. So enablement from your perspective is not just tools and technologies, but actually programs and participation in the demand generation functions along with sales. Good good topic. I want to dig into that a little bit more. So let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Um, if you're just joining in, we've been talking with Kate Federer, Marketing Operations Manager at CenturyLink, and we'll be right back. So don't go away. Have you ever felt that you're not getting the most out of your marketing automation system? Well, you're not alone. But there is an answer, an award-winning agency called DemandGen that can not only get your team out of batch and blast mode, but turn your team into high-performance marketers that drive more revenue and have the kind of results you're looking for. They also have a marketing dashboard to show it. Experts in Marketo, Eloqua, Salesforce, and dozens of other top marketing technology The folks at DemandGen have helped hundreds of the top marketing teams around the country, and they can do the same for you. So stop feeling stressed. Check out their services at DemandGen.com, just like it sounds, DemandGen.com. And while you're there, be sure and visit their resource section, which is chock full of videos, free templates, and downloadable guides, all of which will help you be a better marketer. If you need a team that will get you to the next level, there's one waiting. They're just a click away. DemandGen.com. 
All right, thank you, Paul. In case you're just tuning in to Demand Gen Radio, we're here with Kate Federer, Marketing Operations Manager at CenturyLink, and we've been talking about sales and marketing alignment and enablement. In fact, just before we left for commercial, we started to go into the enablement side of things, and we're talking about enablement isn't just tools and technologies. It's, it's participation in the field with marketing, uh, with sales, rather. Let's go back, though, and talk about tools and technologies because we all know in today's day and age we've got hundreds of tools, and you are a big Marketo shop with multiple instances deployed using their uh, tools and, and technologies. And one of those in particular that you've uh, mastered and deployed is the Marketo Sales Insight Tool, often called MSI. So talk with me a little bit about that um, in terms of what, what prompted you to get the tool how you rolled it out, and, and some of your experience with it. Sure. So uh, what prompted us to get the tool is our VP of sales is is a great guy, and he came to us and he said, I absolutely will not tolerate anything from marketing taking one more minute of my seller's time. It has Anything that you want my sellers to do has to be fully integrated with what they're doing right now and what they are um, – what they're kind of doing every day. So that was kind of the first challenge that we had was what program or product is there out there that doesn't take up any more admin time for my sellers because that was kind of very loud and clear from sales. And so when we looked into MSI product and when we looked into why we're going to deploy what we're going to deploy and why we're doing what we're doing, that product was really, really crucial for us because it could fit into our Salesforce instance. So I don't have to have my sellers logging into something else. I don't have to have them remembering another password because if they're like me, they will forget it. I don't have to have them doing anything else. Everything is integrated for them into Salesforce. So we deployed it to all of our 1,400 sellers on the business side across the globe. We have everybody from Asia to you know Toledo using it. And we deployed it in a very, again, partnership and educational rollout. So that rollout did take plenty of time of calls and trainings. And, you know, one of the really big things we did during the deployment was we would have office hours, just like a college professor has office hours. We would open a bridge, stay on the line for an hour. Anybody that had any questions, we're here to help and we're here to be of assistance for you. And once our senior leadership on the sales side saw kind of what the power of MSI was, what they could do with it, all of a sudden they started kind of mandating to our sellers, you have to use this. You have to send out so many emails a month. You have to enroll people in nurture programs that are being run out of MSI. So being able to partner with our senior leadership team on the sales side has enabled our sellers and enabled us to kind of give more from the MSI product. And one of the things in there is the interesting moments um, yeah. tool set where you can, you know, define all kinds of things that you can basically, I think, I sometimes think about it like the, the CNN ticker tape, you know, it's it's letting people know, hey, this has just happened to this lead or, or activity. What are some of the ones that you guys have configured or set up that you, you hear from sales, um, you know, positive feedback on? <laughs> I think we hear from sales positive feedback on literally every single one. We... Um, we work with Demand Gen. We work with you guys on a lot of different programs, and it's funny. I have to tell people anytime you build a program for us, no, no, add in as many more interesting moments as you possibly can because our sellers love them. They love to know exactly what's going on, and they look at it on a regular basis 
when I don't add it to a program, I get the feedback of, where's my interesting moments? What do you mean if email's going out and I don't know about it? You didn't give me 12 interesting moments. The literally interesting moment, every single part of it. Was an email sent? Was an email open? Was an email clicked on? Was, you know, did they visit a web page? Every part of a program we add in as interesting moments. So our sellers can really see what's going on and really be able to have that intelligent conversation with the prospect or customer that they're calling. Yeah, they, they like the insight, um, I guess appropriately named, right? They, um, they want to see <laughs> the activity. And, and Salesforce, you know, when you, when you log into Salesforce, it's not a living, breathing application. You know, one of the things that especially millennials have at their fingertips these days are all these applications on their cell phones that have, you know, numbers and activities and, and messages that you can tell what's happening within them. So you know to, you know, open Instagram or Facebook or what have you. And, and the sales teams today, you know, we've got folks of different ages. Um, you think about the Salesforce application, you know, it just doesn't have that living, breathing uh, activity out of the box. And so with the interesting moments, the way that you guys are configuring it, it keeps them really up to date what's happening with their leads and within their accounts. Let's, um, yeah. So any, you know, I, I was going to ask you some questions about your team and we'll get to that, but any other tips or mm -hmm. tricks or, uh, best practice ideas that you can share for folks? You know, you've got four people on your team. It's a small department, even though it's a large organization. But if folks were just starting out um, deploying marketing automation or maybe feeling that they haven't got as far, uh, any thoughts on, on where to start in terms of aligning uh, teams together, types of projects, whether it's the MSI type of tools or scoring or nurturing or just lead management processes in general, any good places to start that you recommend? Uh, <laughs> good places to start. Uh, I don't know if there's necessarily one good place to start. For me, my biggest recommendation is start. Do something. A lot of people, and we did, you know, as you said, we want to revy for a giant migration, and everybody kind of wanted to bait it to the gnat's eyelash of things like what piece of data is flowing into what field and what lead forms look like on a website. My my biggest recommendation is start because you can change anything. That's the best part about Marketo and marketing automation is nothing's set in stone. You can't really break anything to the point where you can't fix it. All you have to do is start and you can realize, hey, my lead scoring is not perfect. I need to tweak it. Hey, my lead form has 42 different pieces it's asking for. Maybe I should shorten that up a little bit. Anything that you do creates key learnings and, and a way for you to take the next step forward. And that's my biggest suggestion is just don't wait, don't be scared, dive in and see what happens because we're marketers and we learn and adapt. That's what we do that's kind of in all of our DNA is let me try something. If I fail, at least I'll go down in a blaze of glory, but, you know, 99% of the time you're going to learn something from it. And I I tell this story as a cautionary tale, but also as, hey, we you really can learn from anything. We sent out once somebody was was learning Marketo and was trying and and being very ambitious and and trying everything out and accidentally sent out 1.7 million emails in Latin. Um, we learned a lot that day. Yeah, <laughs> we learned a lot that day, <laughs> but. But we learned from it, and we took the knowledge, and we've implemented changes, and we've done things differently, and we haven't done that again, uh, luckily for me. Um, but we haven't done it again, and we've made changes to our system and to our processes and to who has the ability to send out emails and things like that. So take everything as a learning because that's what it is. There's no reason to not just 
jump in with both feet. It's it's really refreshing to hear you say, especially working at such a large company, with the advice of be agile, you know, just do something. And I remember um, talking with a team that when you guys did your migration, that you had something like 3,000 assets uh, inside of mm-hmm. the application, and everybody wanted to protect and preserve their data and all their assets and their programs and such. But you said, hey, listen, why don't we go and discover what we're using and what's working and not try to port uh, everything? And and taking these you know approaches of like, hey, let's take a step forward and let's be agile, probably the thing that I notice most with our large enterprise customers is that's where they get stuck because there's been so much process put in place and the companies that have been around for a long time they just get stuck and they they don't move forward and they do almost an analysis paralysis of um, the projects that they're getting into and and that that agility message is is spot on. Um, let's before we wrap up, let's talk about your team a little bit because you do have a mm-hmm. small team. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about maybe some of the other technologies that you're either experimenting with or uh, consider you know stable table stakes um, and then what the team is doing. How do you divide up responsibilities across? The org. So a little bit on Stack and a, and a little bit about your team, if you can share some insights. Sure. Um, if I got into our whole Stack, it would be a very confusing and, and large document. But um, we kind of have three key elements of our Stack. We have the BI portion of our Stack, which is is our third or our proprietary database called B360. So we have gone out and built um, offshore in India a database that compiles 29 different data sources and contains 37 million records. We did not want to put that into one system like Marketo or uh, Salesforce or anything like that. So we have a database that kind of takes care of everything like that for us. And a great group of people who run the database and our architect of the database is fantastic. And he works with us from a marketing perspective and how can we use data and how can we do what we need to with the data. Then from there, we also have Salesforce.com as our CRM system, um, which I think a lot of people have, or they have Microsoft Dynamics or, or maybe a small tool. But for us, we have to have Salesforce integrated into our tech stack because it is our vital source of information. We want to know what's going on, so we have to know what's going on in Salesforce. And then we have Marketo, um, which is our marketing automation platform. And all three of those things talk to each other. Everything is bi-directional. Everything can have a conversation, move data and information between the three of those pieces. Then from there, we plug everything else in, whether that be um, a small lead shop that is doing content syndication and wants to pass their leads in to a large uh, application like data.com plugging into Salesforce. Everything kind of plugs into that trifecta, if you will, of core tenants of our tech stack. And we make sure everything can talk to at least one of those applications because all of those applications can talk to each other. Well, you you bring up a topic that is near and dear to me. In fact, uh, Wednesday this week, I'm doing a a webinar with uh, the guys from OpenPrize, and we're talking about MarTech stack integration and such. Mm So tune in if you want to uh, dive deeper into that topic for those of you listening. Um, I can't believe it, but our time is up, Kate, and I'm going to say thank you so much for, for joining me on this edition of Demand Gen Radio. How can people get in contact with you if you don't know Kate or haven't connected with her and you want to make her part of your network? Um, you can reach her on LinkedIn by searching for 
Kate Federhar. I'll spell her name for you. It's K-A-T-E, and then last name is F-E-D-E-R-H-A-R. Again, Kate, thank you so much for, for joining us. A replay of today's episode will be posted on Monday to share with your network at DemandGenRadio.com. Please do spread the word if you can on Twitter, LinkedIn, and to your network about DemandGen Radio. And I would love to hear from you. So if you have feedback or an idea for a topic or want to suggest a guest for the show, you can reach us at radio at DemandGen.com. Again, thank you everyone for tuning in. This is your host, David Lewis, saying farewell and reminding you to make marketing matter most in your organization. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.